Hi everybody and welcome to the Daily Banter's Meaning of Life podcast episode 5. I'm here with my co-host Vasken Kasakian and uh, today we're going to be talking about depression. Um, uh, just before we get started, I'd like to say that this podcast is made free uh, by all of our Banter members. Um, if you'd like to become a Banter member and support what we do here, uh, please just go to banterm.com. That's B-A-N-T-E-R the letter m.com you can find out about you know what you're going to be subscribing to you get the magazine we get to a digital magazine every week uh, and you get to support ind- independent media so it's uh, a worthwhile cause and it's uh, pretty cheap we call it cheapest chips in england um so anyway uh Vasken, how you doing it's been a little while since we've sat down to do a podcast uh, a couple yeah. of weeks actually we've both been pretty busy yeah. and um, dealing with modern life which is we're doing a podcast about <laughs> modern life and both of us can't it's field work we're doing our field research yeah field, field, field research by trying to survive modern life right. so that we can bring back tips on how to survive modern life um, so I hope we're doing an okay job <laughs> <laughs> alright so depression which is quite depressing to talk about depression yes yeah it's not really the, the happiest topic but but hopefully we can we can kind of shed some light a bit on the topic uh, by the way neither of us have any professional qualifications to talk about the depression whatsoever I want to make that clear <laughs> unless Faskin you've done some no there's I have no <clears throat> clinical training or background I think we should we need a big disclaimer up top that um, if you're struggling with issues please seek out um, professionals, professional. yeah, Sorry. which we'll, 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 we'll get to. Yeah, I mean, we're just giving our, we're having a, a, a kind of fireside chat about it. We're just having a conversation. Yeah. So I think one of the statistics was um, <clears throat> very interesting about um, uh, this is from the Anxiety Disorders Association of America, and it says that it's the leading cause of disability in the U.S. from ages 15 to 44. Wow, that is, that's staggering. Which is pretty crazy. It affects approximately 14.8 million American adults. That number seems low, but yeah. Which I think is yeah. too low. Right. 6.7% of the U.S. population mm-hmm. aged 18 and older. Uh, and they say depressive disorder can develop at any age, and the median age at onset is 32 and a half years really? old. Really? Yeah. The median age? The median wow. age. Okay. Is that's interesting. But... I anecdotally and from other studies that I've read, I'm pretty convinced that it's the the, the rate of depression is much much higher than that. That's probably efficient. You know, who, those who are going to a doctor that's with right. they have depression, right? Because there are many people I know who have depression who don't go and talk about, don't go to see anybody, right? You know, or they'll yeah. deal they'll deal with it um, without by themselves. Sure. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge. <clears throat> it's a huge problem. So I'm battling a slight cold at the moment, but I should be fine. Um, it's a huge, it's a huge problem. And um, just from a personal point of view, I've watched many friends deal with crippling depression, crippling anxiety mm-hmm. disorders that stop them from having a decent, you know, fulfilling life. And it's just very, they're you know, very up and down. Right. You know, one of the manic depression. So you you can have very high highs and very low lows. Right. I think that's quite. A lot of people have these problems, uh, and I don't know about how, how that's affected. I personally, I haven't. I have never really suffered from depression. Luckily, um, that's one thing I'm, I'm happy to say. I've, oh, of course, I've I've had episodes of being pretty down about stuff, but I've never had any, you know, issue. It doesn't really run in the family, and um, I'm fairly lucky in, in that regard. But but uh, I can I can certainly empathise. Having having a lot of close friends who have, and obviously dealing, you know, like anybody, I struggle with the with modern life just as everybody else does. Um, about if you want to share anything, yeah, I think I think there's um, 
a spectrum of it, you know, I think, um, I've definitely struggled, uh, with, I, I think that for me, any times I, I've gone through challenges has always been through major life transitions. Mm-hmm. There's always a kind of reorientation or figuring things out. But I think we need to define the spectrum here because there's, there's like you were saying or alluding to like the daily kind of doldrums of maybe living a life that mm. is unfulfilling or not as fulfilling as it could be. Mm. Um, then there's the really, you know, post-trauma type things, so, you know, after a cataclysmic event. And then there's stuff that I think is the most difficult, which I don't have, I don't have personal experience with, but the, the storms that seem to come out of nowhere and, and, and make people feel very stuck mm. and unable, like you were saying, of unable to propel your life forward um, or just pull it together. It's a, it's a kind of storm that passes that you just have to kind of weather. And, and then there's the, and then there's, and maybe we kind of ramped up to like uh, the most extreme, but, but going back on the other side of more like the daily doldrums, there's also, you know, joylessness too. There's like, a, I forget the exact terminology for it, but there's inability to take pleasure. It's not like you're really low, yeah. but there's an inability to just enjoy, enjoy any, anything despite your what's going on in your life or, even if or what's going on around you even if something great happens you, you know you felt right. it always it was looking at the downside of it That's yeah right. i think That's and also to, just to also be clear i think that um more serious forms of depression there's there are depression that comes from we we're going to get to this later in the podcast actually but um <clears throat> obviously there are different types of depression and some of it is like you were saying kind of the regular modern life depression and the other one is more serious yeah. that can come from past traumas and um, you know, major kind of. You know, I don't know if you've been to war or something like that, or if you'd uh, ha- if you've had been attacked, violently attacked, or raped, or assaulted. Could, or can I say something about that? That's very like, though. It's it's um. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. There's that initial trauma, but there's also the um. I I, I believe it's the Buddhists or Hindus. There's the there's the notion of samskara, or yeah, I think it's samskara, which is samsara. Not samsara. I think it's samskara. It's like, it's it's basically the idea of reverberations mm. of past generational traumas that you may not even be aware of. Aware of, and now they're finding that via epigenetics and such that it, it's possible. It's 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 actually quite true that if if one person experiences a trauma, you may actually it may be actually changing you in such a way as to pass down. Plus, I, I think the, there was a the. the Children of of the Holocaust survivors um, have they've shown this conclusively that that um, that these traumas are passed down. There was a there was a case I think um, with in New York I believe in in maybe the sixties or something where it was the children of Holocaust survivors, but Jewish babies basically had a lot of. Um, uh, crying disorders. The babies would cry non-stop, and they found there was this whole sort of trend of of. Um, of uh, pe- people who descended from those who were in the Holocaust. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, that we're now learning that, that traumas have an, they do have an epigenetic effect on on, on yeah. human human you know human beings, and these can get passed down through the generation. I think it makes sense, you know. It totally if, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Just even from a sort of if you've, you've got traumas yourself and you're raising children, and right. then you your anxiety disorders get kind of either taken out or or shown as a model to your children. You know, I, I won't go into too many details, but an ex of mine um, had, uh, I think, you know, her parents were 
uh, at least one of them had very bad anxiety disorder mm-hmm. and she had it was clearly passed on it was clearly the way that that was her model of behavior was yeah. anxiety and depression you know from from a young age she witnessed that as a child and then it kind of you know this is why regardless of what happened I could never ever be mad at her for for having that um, you know carrying with her that that anxiety because obviously it's not her fault you know she's just grown up with that model so um, I think that and that again that's something we're going to talk about later which is the biopsychosocial model of depression or of disease itself that basically states that um, uh, the you know all illness and disease is, is a is has a biological and um, psychological and social um, uh, origins so it's kind of an interesting theory which we can get into um, yeah. but yeah maybe maybe it is that in modern life that we're all being kind of traumatized on in a, in a, on a mass scale yeah this. i think i think i think that's right i mean i think that so the 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 more cataclysmic stuff and the kind of trauma induced and then the really really serious out of nowhere genetic stuff mm. i i don't i can't really speak to like i don't i i can't with any kind of I can offer up kind of theories or things I've read, and mm. but but really, I mean, I I can't speak to that with any eloquence, and I certainly have no training mm. or any education to speak to those. But on the kind of simmering day to day sense of things not feeling right, mm. um, it's actually like you you mentioned samsara, and and that's like that's very interesting because the the boot it's like Buddhist term of. I'm not gonna. I'm a. I'm, it's not a literal translation, but it's essentially the feeling of things being always askew or something mm-hmm. not being right. Like You're things mistaken. are not yeah. exactly fit together, and there's this gnawing kind of unease. We'll call it like yeah, and that's what they call samsara. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, or, or yeah. maybe what well, maybe Catholics would call it purgatory, but it's a living purgatory. That's right. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it's a purposelessness it's in a, a way, or, or a lack of meaning of what's happening around you. You can't really give a ascribe mm. a, a kind of meaning that's fulfilling to it well, it's, the, it's the kind of constant ups and downs and not being able to manage the the kind of be, be, go, be become in, stay in the centre in mm-hmm. a way you're not too I always found that the one of the ways that I've managed ups and downs is to try not to view them too differently sure. just to be like something good happens I'll be like oh that was cool or something bad happens I try to sort of detach myself from it and say like oh you know that sucks but it's just as likely something good to happen something bad to happen and the more detached I can become from it, um, the easier it's going to. I am dealing with the, the yeah, ups, I think the ups and the downs. Yeah, I think there was, um, I think there was, I think two different traditions try to aim at that um, geographically. I don't know about like the difference in time, but definitely, ge- certainly geographically, the the Taoist perspective, and then the Stoics mm-hmm. certainly, I think, aspired to this idea that look, when things are going really well. Don't be too gleeful, yeah. Exuberant, <coughs> because yeah. surely fate will dash your ship of fortune upon the rocks when mm. you least expect it. Right, 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 right. I but, mean, you should, you should definitely enjoy the ups, but, right? But, but, but if measured, invested, measured, yeah. like like to attach yourself to need those ups. I think is where they always kind of waved the cautionary flag. You know, they were like, enjoy, but but under don't become so attached that you depend upon those highs because certainly at some point the highs will fade and mm. you'll kind of be down in the valleys again. And then, but the flip side, similarly, so that could sound like a downer, but then similarly, there was the message on the other end too, where they were like, well, if you're in the depths mm. and you seem to be stuck on the island and there's no ships of hope passing and you're, you know, to get you off the island, 
have faith that that's not a permanent condition it's either. Just, it's just the cycle. It's exactly. just part of the cycle. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think, and also, I mean, from a philosophical point of view, if everything was great all the time, then it would you, it would stop being great all the time because right. just, you would start to look at the, the degrees of it. You know, the human. I think the human mind is quite is very um, susceptible to kind of. If it wasn't quite as great as yesterday, you're going to be down. It's like, oh, well, why wasn't Wednesday? Wednesday was good, but it wasn't as good as, as Tuesday. And, like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, they studied, I think, um, was it that there's a tread, you know, it's the, you're on a treadmill and the hedonic treadmill. It's like the idea that everybody, regardless of what happens, you adjust psychologically to the new normal. And, like, mm. regardless <laughs> of, so, you know, it's that they studied um, lottery winners and they basically realized that. Pretty much where you were before is where you're gonna be yeah. exactly is, is where you land. Like so, people who are really happy mm. end up still being pretty happy. People who really were bitter and felt a sense of being cheated out of something, even when they had fortune smile on them, still felt the same way. Somehow miserable or made themselves miserable. Yeah, it's like that statistic that everybody wants to. That if they had twenty five percent, or is it thirty? So even twenty five to thirty percent more money, they'd be happy. And that's true across every single part of the economic spectrum yeah. you know so however much you earn you probably think that if you earn 25% more money you'd be, you'd be fine yeah and it's and I think that that you'll see that quite conclusively I sometimes think I'm like oh, you know what if I just had all that you know if I just had 25% more I think I could manage everything yeah it's interesting not, that, not worry about anything yeah I mean I mean in a way the programming's beyond us I mean we're conditioned to think that way right like there's always a bigger piece of cheese that we should be chasing but is, is that, society, like, I guess that is that a symptom of because I have seen in, in other cultures that that doesn't exist that that's not really the way that you live your life is trying to get more and more you're trying to accumulate more because yeah. I mean again we were we were dis, we were discussing this um, we chatted about this before about immigrant culture and and or cultures in in developing countries what we would call developing countries which are not industrialized economies that. Um, they're, they're, I've, everywhere I've travelled people genuinely seem to be much happier with less money yeah I think I think it's so there's so much going on I think like that you can point to perhaps what that being the reason why I mean I think that I think that what a good portion of it has to do is that is, is this something we've talked about before is community I mean if people feel alone and that they're bearing their mm. burdens alone Mm. I mean, just in our own lives, right? I, I mean, when you feel like you're kind of there's no one helping you out, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's you versus the world, yeah. Yeah, and you can't even sometimes feel like you can't even see the way out. Mm. But the you know if you have a if if someone extends a helping hand, then it, I mean it, they can quite miraculously make your problems disappear. Yeah, and I feel like our society really we we either don't have the time. Or it's not the default. You have to kind of swim upstream to develop those deep, meaningful communities and networks. It's difficult. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen my um, my fiance's family, they're uh, Latin American, mm-hmm. Peruvian, Paraguayan, and they, um, yeah, there's all sorts of the social dynamic, the family dynamics is complicated, kind of frustrating sometimes. And uh, you know, there's a lot of groupthink going on. And but, but at the end of the day, there's a real sense of community there's a real sense of kind of familial bonds yeah and like if one person is not doing well like everyone helps I think that's right I you think know? that that's why 
there's at least an apparent sense that even in places that are maybe materially less better off mm. or don't have the access to the same things we have access to that people <clears throat> have at least faith that that their neighbor or their family or their community will chip in to help them out whereas yeah. we're absolutely terrified and we we ascribe you know emotions to having to ask for help like shame and it's shame it's shameful know. having to ask yeah. for, and i think probably that is it can be kind of a cause of a lot of depression is just thinking you're by yourself that you've got no one to help you i think that's right yeah. you know and like, like i always find it like when if i help someone if, if if someone comes to me for help and like you know they're like, like you know i feel so ashamed and like, you know i'm like no listen like you've paid me a compliment like you've paid that's me right, yeah. like i want to help but you someone, realize what you're you know? saying is very counter to the default setting of our society yeah like most people either consciously or, or unconsciously think of things <coughs> sometimes in terms of that ledger it's mm. like people feel bad if you do something because then they feel there's that sense of oh i owe you something whereas mm. societies w- which function differently mm. they don't they don't have that no one's keeping the the ledger you know mm. no one's keeping accounts of mm. you did me five favors this week i do you know two yeah. next week it's, and, and i don't i i yeah that model i don't i, I don't understand and i always feel I genuinely feel like I, I like to help people and it makes me feel better about I did, it's just a reaffirmation that I'm a human being <laughs> you know and there, there are other human beings that have a hard time too yeah. I'm like yeah hey, you come for me for help I'm like listen you know I'm, yeah. I'm a help you know because it makes me feel better to be able to help someone else and, and know that you know that it's not all just they also tell people I mean if you want to get over your own stuff like go be in service to somebody, you know? I mean... I think so, yeah. I think instead that's, that's of fixate on kind of your own malaise and moroseness, like, go out there, be of service, and help somebody else, I think is a, is a clear kind of recipe to... But one, I think one of the problems, though, with depression, um, if, it's, if it's real, if it's kind of biological, um, is that when you have, you know, when you actually have, there's a brain melt. Absolutely, know, yeah. The so rewiring, yeah. yeah. That, that um, th- this, w- when you have that type of a problem... Because I've seen this in people who, who get depressed like that and they cannot see Absolutely. outside of themselves right. at all. Yeah. And it's a vicious spiral. And and the more that you, you become very um, self-centered almost, very self-centered, or it appears that you're self-centered and everyone's like, you know what, all that, you know, nobody wants to be around you because all you're doing is, is, is um, everything's about you and how bad everything is. And I think in that case, that's when you need to go and get professional help, like real professional help. Like that's, you know, I know you have several friends of mine that are in psychotherapy. They go to psychotherapy. I mean, I think like yeah, I I agree. I think that it's it's tough, and that's why I was saying the disclaimer up top of like this. This is there's such a spectrum. wide spectrum yeah, yeah. that <clears throat> it, it's really. I personally think that there's no everyone should be regularly going to some therapy, some some form of therapy. And the yeah. way I think of it is is that it's like health. It's like exercise. Like you don't start it's like you want to exercise for the accumulated health benefits and not and and once you get sick hopefully you'll bounce back because you've put in the time and you're in good health overall Mm. and so i think the best time to go to therapy is when nothing's going on like and you are just kind of airing out the cobwebs in the attic Mm. and are doing a lot of important work because you don't want to find yourself at that point where wow I've never looked up here in this attic and I don't even know what's here yeah it, it seems you know rather haunted and I'm scared now <laughs> and I don't want to clean it don't want to clean it out no I so, mean but it also like, I think it's about like joining going like joining like group activities and stuff like that 
is an important one. Having a kind of a social <clears throat> you know, group or club that you go to, like I don't know, whatever the hell it is, like dancing or something. Yeah, we've got friends. Oh, absolutely. I think like uh, building community, absolutely key. I do think though, there's a here's the unfortunate thing in like older cultures you had someone to go to mm. unfortunately most of the time in our society if you're not going to say someone in if you're not going to say a religious service regularly and have also that type of relationship with a religious leader or community service person mm. like we don't have in our culture that kind of spiritual um what's the word like shaman or 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 kind of guide yeah, yeah. and in a way it's not that the therapist on its own is the person that would fulfill this this like there's other people you can go to mm. if you have those people in your life but i mean like what i mean is that in the absence of just in general there being that figure the therapist can at least be that type of that type therapy. of but i mean I, I do find it if i'm being completely honest i do find it quite depressing that you need to pay someone it, it's true that you have to pay I agree with you. for help you I know? agree with you I'm not saying don't do yeah. it I'm saying that you absolutely go and do it there's some great th- therapists out there but I also and this is purely anecdotal so don't hold me to this but I have also met a number of therapists my, myself who are depressed themselves right who understand it from who, you know they intellectually understand what they're doing but from a maybe an intuitive point you know personal point of view they don't they can't put into practice but you know I don't think that's necessarily I wouldn't fault people for that because in a way I have to say that I would I would actually trust someone more Mm. who's similarly afflicted yeah yeah yeah. Um, like if you're if you're going to someone to resolve addiction issues you want to go to someone who's dealt with addiction addiction, you know if you want to go resolve issues of abuse it helps if to someone else is have a that. model of someone who's struggling with that. But yeah. I mean, not that it has to be, but mm. I'm just saying that I can see a, a, a good argument to be made for um, wanting to have. No, get, that's true. You know, I, I, okay, I, t- I, like, I certainly think I, t- I take that back. Um, I think that that's that's definitely true. Having having some sort of hands-on experience or having some own personal experience. But I have seen enough. Like it is interesting that most of the psychotherapists or therapists that I know. Are personalised themselves are kind of a mess. So maybe that's good that they do. Maybe that's good that they, you know, that they're in that profession. And I think you can still do like, it's kind of like, look, if if someone is a is a as a coach in terms of mm. organisation and <clears throat> like I need help to get organised and mm. they can come and clean my house or mm. I mean that metaphorically like they can they can notice what's wrong and tell me what I need to do to clean my house I don't mm. care really what their house looks like right in a yeah. way like yeah you wonder you ask questions like wait a second why is your mm. own house in order why do you not take your own advice but in a way that doesn't take from the fact that that person has very important insights that I may not be able to realize myself yeah and particularly you know? yeah maybe, maybe if they've kind of built themselves if they've pulled themselves out of the depression themselves and then you know the techniques that they use like any good teacher is always someone i think a lot of the time the only the only way to really learn something is to teach it i think so and i think that also i mean look life is hard right i mean every all of us are going to struggle at some Mm. point and are going to have some this business of living is about at some point things being taken away from you Mm. and so there's an inherent overcoming of loss and with loss comes I mean with with loss comes that that depression and sadness and but the thing is that it shouldn't though and that's the thing I mean 
you know, when you frame it like that, that all all things are being that get taken away from you over time, is, and then that that becomes a matter of perspective though, because it's like, well, there's two ways of looking at it. You could you could have the one way is like, look, everyone dies, everyone's going to lose everyone they love, everything's going to get taken away from around them, you know. So you could look at it that way, or you could be like, well, yeah, look, that happens, but I'm going to fucking enjoy. Oh no, I agree with you. I'm just saying, I, I agree with you 100. percent I'm just saying that I'm just making a point that look, if at some point we're all going to have the rug pulled out from under us in a, yeah, yeah. In a way mm. and we're going to find ourselves vulnerable and lost mm. and we're going to we need to reteach ourselves that per- exact perspective you just you just noted mm. you know and and that that's why I wouldn't really fault somebody who may right now be stuck in a difficult c- c- you know space for themselves but yet are you know have something wise to say or help other people you know i think quite a lot of leaders have been depressed and and still have been able to make like churchill is most notable for for just you know he used to call it i think the the black dog on my shoulder or something Mm. so he had some word for it but like Mm. it was he struggled a lot Mm. and would still i mean still you know i don't not doubting that I don't think anybody would doubt his service of mm. his usefulness and his kind of utilitarian social kind of well I mean he drank like a fish so you, absolutely you know, yeah like put the whiskey before lunch yeah, I think you know? yeah. he was whacking it down yeah. and all that kind of stuff yeah. Lincoln too they say Lincoln was not, I don't know about drinking but um, I don't think he was a big drinker but, but depression certainly mm. he was another person who was afflicted um, quite regularly mm. and you can imagine having seen your country torn apart mm. like can't help you know, Affect I, I, you think, so I think I would worry if he wasn't a depressed individual. Yeah, it makes you or struggled with some kind of issues. It does make you wonder about about leaders at the top, like what they. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Does you think? I wonder if Obama has gets depressed. He doesn't strike me as the type of person who who would. I think it's hard to tell nowadays because. Um, you see it with the media, the way the way that people are presented. I mean, one one of the things that I think is important for like everyone to understand is that. What you see in the media, what you see on Facebook, what you see on Twitter, what you see on Instagram, what you see of, you know, TED Talks, and this is people's best sides. You're seeing True. everyone... There's the, the thing about, about media is that you can be depressed as hell, do a selfie, you know, of yourself right. in some expensive bar with some hot chicks or whatever it is, or with a famous person... And then all of us, t- to the outside world, everyone's like, oh my God, that person's life is amazing. Yeah. Because you're selling, you know, your your branded image. It's Yeah. Everything's curated, but I think that that's right. I mean, yeah, and Facebook does that too, right? Nobody wants to... Like, you're not putting your... Your your, your bad side out there. Yeah. Or I've got a lot of respect life. for... I have a lot of respect for... There's some people who, who I'm friends with who actually talk openly about their depression on things like social media and stuff like that and mm. I think that that's pretty brave to do it is brave I mean you know, there's probably a sense of like people reaching out and, yeah, to, and to building a bridge yeah we had someone on, on, on the actually on the website on the dailybanter.com who, who would leave comments uh, really you know desperate pleas for help and uh, yeah like some of other readers would jump in called her up and, and to see if she was alright and reached out which pretty wow. nice. yeah pretty nice to see that actually yeah. Yeah, I think it is. If you ask for help, like you know, if you put the message out there, someone's gonna check in. You gotta be with the internet. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. M- maybe the internet, but let some yeah. for some people, the internet is the only thing that they've got left yeah. of, of a community. I just think, yeah. There's also like, <clears throat> people can be so cruel too, man. But yeah, I think on some like Facebook where it's your friends, there's obviously mm. um, 
or like on a website where everyone has a common interest I feel like mm. that's, that's less likely to happen but I've started mm. to I've started to cut anybody on my social media networks who, who I think puts a false impression of their life up on Facebook mm. relentlessly I just unfollow them yeah there was a, something I read about um is a Facebook induced essentially depression which is a new phenomenon it's like yet another source of how to feel bad about yourself yeah how to feel bad about yourself that you don't measure up status anxiety kind of fear of missing out FOMOs that kind of stuff you know people having this great life and you're stuck at home on Facebook when in fact people having these great lives are actually doing the same thing you are but they're just you know or or maybe that one facet of their life seems really stellar but you know you you don't know nobody knows each other's struggles no no no, no, that's why I think you you should be careful on social media to to, so I went through this stage on Facebook um, of doing like relentless hashtags oh yeah I remember that yeah so I was on Facebook I was you know do pictures of me doing yoga and hashtag blessed hashtag you know love my life hashtag like you know player I'm a player that kind of stuff and I just did it like really relentlessly because part of it was just a sort of a I was kind of trolling other people that I knew on Facebook and uh-huh. saying who are doing that I'm like, do you know how obnoxious that you were coming across you know and I was copying like verbatim some some profile updates that I'd seen, yeah, and putting it out there with a little twist on it, with a joke, with me, you know, because I, yeah, I just think it's you've got to sort of not fall into that trap. And if you're doing it yourself, if you're if you're out there going on about how amazing your life is, just be mindful that like you know other people might be struggling, and just at least have a bit of a kind of perspective about it, or have a bit of be self-deprecating. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? a- um, <clears throat> God rest his soul but there was a comedian Harris Whittles who had he invented the humble brag the humble brag yeah, yeah. and uh, we've all done it we've yeah, all done yeah. a humble brag you know I've done humble brags so I'm probably going to do humble brag <laughs> yeah yeah you know like if you do well but I think there's just there are there's a fine line you know you want to yeah. you want to promote what you're, you if you're doing something great has happened it's nice to be able to share it with people on Facebook but if you're doing it if you're doing it to put a false image of yourself up there I think I don't know I'm not a big fan of that you know and that's why I think that social media can be pretty dangerous and let you so you just be careful I, I just curate my, my feeds very carefully now mm-hmm. people who put dumb stuff up yeah. I just I just unfollow them I'm like you know what I'm not really you know this is your egotistical wanker yeah well I mean Facebook's TV right you just have to like you. It, it's TV in a sense of you get to choose the channel. Yeah, Not and all channels would, are good. Yeah. And I would say that um, that's one one of the ways of combating um, the, the depression and anxiety stuff like that is you have to start curating like what you're what you're subjecting oh, yourself. It's to. crazy, you know. It's it's um you can get if you start filtering the world in terms of what's a message that makes me feel better, what's a message that makes me feel worse, and you start to try to curate. Mm. And you become sensitive to the messages that make you feel worse, mm. man. You could drive yourself crazy because, yeah. I mean, if you become sensitive to what it's, if you treat it like nutrition, yeah, it is all around you. Like you, you are constantly being inundated with messages yeah. to eat shit, just just darkness basically, like little <clears throat> yeah. kind of pellets of darkness all the time being kind of thrown at you in very subtle ways, mind you. Too, it's not mm. like I'm not. There's the obvious ones of like. You know how much stories about atrocities can I read, and then we can get into a philosophical debate of is it good to be informed, 
you know, it's not. Yeah. It's definitely not good to be ign- you know, ignorant of like every, ignorant. the world is full of fairies and, and right. fairy dust and magic. You know, yeah. Which, which it, I think it is full of fairy dust and magic, but it's also full of shit and, and monsters and monsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like being. But yeah. what do you subject yourself to on, yeah. a, <clears throat> on a regular basis? I don't, you know, I keep up with the news. I've, I run a news website. You know, I run. A, we talk about politics. I mean, so here's a question. I have a, I have a question to you. Like, how do you? I I I'm I try to have as much of a diet as possible like I try to limit it to I want to be informed but then mm. I'm very careful because sometimes I'll read a story that will just hit me hard and, and you'll be and, like whoa and that's yeah. like it kind of shell shocks but then I feel powerless it's not necessarily something I can actually do in my life or at mm. least I can't figure out what to do to offset that bad feeling but how do you every day being inundated with, overwhelmingly with bad news like what do you do or how do you kind of stay you keep your head above water I mean that's, it's something that I find you know, sometimes I'll struggle with it, you know, because it's we'll read about in a, from a politics sense. I mean, I do think the greatest threat to world peace is the Republican Party. I think the Republican Party in America is one of the biggest threats to the stability of the planet, probably ever in human history. You, you mean because of the climate change issue, or hey, climate change? I mean, nuclear weapons, war, that kind of stuff. You've got you know, United States is the biggest superpower in history, human history, and you've got one side of the you know you've got the Democrats who who are corrupt but adults, and then you've got the Republican Party who are corrupt and screaming shit throwing monkeys who like if they get their hands on power are going to bring the whole system down. Like we've seen, we saw that with George W. Bush, you know. So that's all I've always, <clears throat> I guess, felt that that was that needs shining a light on, you know. And, and I think that in a lot of ways, uh, America is a fascinating country to me. America is a fascinating country, and um, but seeing the sort of insanity of right wing politics in America for what they are, uncovering it and giving people the tools to understand what they're watching. You know, and everyone watches it. We always, everybody knows who Donald Trump is. Everybody knows who Ted Cruz is. You know, everybody knows who Mitch McConnell is. Everybody knows what the Republican Party. But they've accepted this as normal. They've accepted. I think a lot of people in America have accepted this as just politics, but it's not normal. This is not normal. This is not the way that it should be. So it's kind of like I think if you ignoring it doesn't make it go away. You know. So I do. But I don't think it's enough just to shine light on that. I don't think it is. You know. And one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is because. I just got, you know, it does, it wears me, you can wear you down by constantly talking about this, constantly exposing this stuff for what it is. So I think, you know, doing a podcast as well and putting something out there that might be a bit more positive, you know, or give people a bit more, it's not necessarily all kind of like, look at this latest crazy thing that Republicans have yeah. done. You know? Can I offer up a kind of thought about what you said though, which is, mm. which is kind of, how do you... And I don't want to steer this into like a, a political vein at all, but um, there's someone out there who thinks exactly the same way, but about the Democrats, mm. right? Like mm. there's a Ben Cohen out there mm. who's the like you know you know Superman. There's like the Bizarro Superman. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, the yeah. Bizarro verse. Yeah, yeah, there's a Bizarro Ben. There's, there's, there's a mirror. There's a mirror. Reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so like, I guess what I'm. Oh, it's, yeah. it's an interesting question, man. It's a really keep, 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 sorry. Man. Yeah, I was just gonna say like I feel like people. There's, they want to. How do you build a bridge to Bizarro Ben? And how do we like? I don't think you can. Yeah. Like from from having done this for a long time, I don't think you can. They they're on. They're <laughs> That's on, bleak, man. But they, they, I think that there is a certain sector of the population. It's like you know, you're talking, you know, uh-huh. extreme. You're talking about extremists, ideologues, and extremists that are you cannot reason with and you cannot 
there's no amount of rationality that's going to reach these people. The damage has been done. You've got decades of, you know, of of a bad functioning um, education system, poverty. You know, decades of watching Fox News and relentless propaganda. And um, I think a lot of those people are just you can't. There's not much you can do about it. Yeah, than, I mean, I I think that. I mean, this is my own theory, but I think that. In America, we don't really even have ideologies, but more kind of like emotional temperaments, mm. <laughs> like people. Right, right, and, so, and, and, and I think that that's like, what you have to sort of count. You have to counter that stuff with fact. So if they'll say Obama is a Muslim terrorist, a Muslim communist, and you can say, all right, well, look, look clearly these things. First of all, being a Muslim and a communist are antithetical, right? You can't be a Muslim and a communist. It's, it's one is an atheist. Okay, so you're trying to you're trying to appeal to. A person who's not completely, maybe, a hundred percent sold, but someone who's, you know, yeah. ways and, and well, in the center, and also the, uh, liberals themselves who who might not be engaged with this kind of stuff. I see, okay. and then and then and showing them just how crazy this is. Okay, look, this is how crazy these people are. So you so, have so, to engage with engage. With so for you, so away. for you, like bad constant stimulus of negativity, toxicity, like the world is at the brink. You, you obviously aren't overwhelmed by that. For you, it's more like a calling. You're like, okay, I hear the world's on fire, but like I'm, I can, I can kind of do something. At least help put it out, or yeah, kind of. I think there's help yeah, put it out in patches. Yeah, there has to be sort of a, a like a kind of a multi-pronged approach to this kind of stuff. The first of all, I mean, you treat it as a disease. You know, you have to have antibodies to fight the disease. Yeah. But then there are also things that go into play where you're creating you know you, there are other things other strategies that you have to do like for example I think that you know there needs to be particularly in America there needs to be like education stuff and, and investing in education investing in, in public awareness campaigns and things like that um, and trying to do you drain the swamp as opposed to just fighting battles you know we you fight battles every day but the longer war is draining the swamp which is you know creating more awareness about about uh, certain issues and um, more positivity, more you, you know things like that. Like, I think that's the key. Yeah, you just like, you have to, I think you do have to have, but you can't ignore one. You can't just have everyone. Let's let's hold hands and love each other. You know, and then everything will be fine. I mean, maybe that is true. I don't know. I have got. I don't. I don't really. I know. think that's a big, big question. I think like I mean, I think that. But you said positive, which I think is a key word. Like, I feel like there's perhaps the way to build the bridge to Bizarro Ben is like positivity right in a way of that person has to feel like like nobody I think I think people fundamentally want the great the great overwhelming majority of people have the same concern like mm. the great overwhelming majority of people we're, there's a common humanity that binds us mm. um, it's not easy it's very challenging to all work in a way that that societally mm. we're all mutually building something to all of our benefit but I feel like I'm, I'm trying to think of like okay like it's too hard <laughs> it's too abstract to think of how to do that on a mass scale but maybe we gotta start small maybe it's a question of like engage like everybody needs to get out of character and mm. maybe this is kind of what getting out of depression is about too like in spite of every, everything you see in front of you in front of your face mm maybe the answer is get out of character like you might have a script that's written for you either you wrote it for yourself or mm. someone wrote it for you parents wrote it for you maybe society wrote it for you whatever mm. 
what if we maybe it takes getting out of character like step out of character play a different part and do something that is unscripted you know like interact and help somebody that maybe you're you're you kind of feel very uncomfortable like what do I have in common with this person Mm -hmm. you know and see what kind of mutual build a relationship you know, yeah, like, I think that's important. I think that's right. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, these are issues that are beyond. I think the reason I say that is because, like, if we're all retreating in our corners and fighting, yeah, and we're just like, "You're the problem." No, you're the problem. You're the problem. You're yeah. the problem. Like, like we don't really. There's such like a problem. I find I don't know where I was, but it was like, um, I don't know. Everybody's got an archetype of the person who's the problem. Yeah, you know, and <clears throat> and there's like that that's fine you can you can kind of stick to that but that's not going to help you you're going to need that person Mm. if we're going to be a functioning Mm. and i'm not even going to say society i was going to say country society but really world because the Mm. world like we're you know every things affect it's a chain right Mm. like if we if we're gonna if we're gonna make it on this rock yeah like we got to step out of character and I think also if you look at it as an organism you could kind of look at yourself as to whether you are you are if you looked at the human population as one big giant organism you know itself are you a good cell are you a bad cell yeah you know are you a positive cell or are you a negative cell in this one big mass of humanity you know mm. and I think that if you're negative if you give way to the fear and anger and depression and that kind of stuff you're not a healthy cell. That's true. So it's kind yeah, of it's interesting job. because that's an excellent <coughs> point. Like there's, you can be for a righteous cause but still be a negative cell. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's a very interesting thing. I mean, there's there's um, you know, that guy, the, the the writer Chris Hedges. Mm-hmm. You know Chris Hedges. I mean, he's massive. I mean, he's very eloquent, very smart. For, yeah. He's right, good writer, and he's yeah. right. But oh my god, you know, you would think that this is. I mean, he, I can't read him because why? It's just so negative. Negative. It's yeah. so negative. It's, yeah. it's you just want to shoot yourself after after you know or people like um, Glenn Greenwald. Who's that? I'm not familiar. Glenn with Greenwald him. is a is a sort of a civil libertarian. Okay. Um, he's a lawyer. It was a lawyer, and he he runs. Uh, he did the the whole NSA scandal. He and okay. Ed Snowden. Yep. He now now I know. Yeah. Okay. So I mean I agree with him on a number of issues, and I lo- I think he, he does important work, but. It's kind of fire and brimstone sermonising that he does from see, his, you yeah. know, like like a Ch- like Chomsky or someone like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I know Chomsky. Well, I think Chomsky's brilliant, but Chomsky's also it's you know, really yeah. Yeah, you, you see that a lot. I think. I mean, that, but you mentioned Chris Hedges. And it's interesting because yeah, he's he's um, I like his writings in the in the sense of I think he's a very powerful writer. Like yeah. he <clears throat> is one of the best writers actually. I mean, oh, from a pure yeah. like independent yeah. and divorced of his politics and ideological good, yeah. choices, yeah. but. But which I I don't necessarily agree with, but his just in terms of his you know writing, he's yeah. a very powerful writer. But you're you're absolutely right. He he leaves you really no hope. That's right. It, no it's, hope. it's a kind of yeah. You said fire and brimstone. I think it's I think that's exactly right. Like he wants to kind of make you, and he does it very very masterfully. Like he mm. he's he leaves you kind of at the edge or at the precipice, and mm. of, of how bad this that's is. That's right. But but with no hope of. Yeah. In each other, actually, I would say he doesn't really have hope in humanity in a way, like like. Uh, and and like, what, but what that does, just to, to to add on to that, what I think that that does is it creates these um, acolytes who follow. You, know, you you've got the Chomsky bots and you've got mm-hmm. the Glenn Greenwald bots and you've got the 
uh, Chris Hedges, the people who follow his every word, and they're usually young, impressionable college kids who develop this kind of cataclysmic view of humanity and they start lecturing everybody about everything. And, you know, I think I was probably like that in my early 20s. You, you read the stuff and it's powerful stuff. It's powerful. You read Chomsky's analysis of how global power politics works and you're like, okay, wow, we're in serious trouble here. Mm-hmm. Um, or Chris Hedges and, and it gives you this kind of worldview but it, it it's you become they, they develop these yeah acolytes I would say uh, it's interesting well, I think it depends on like what one is looking for right? I think look we're all human beings we all want the answer mm. and we all get very attracted to our own ways of thinking or someone who has or someone who's got a certain yeah. yeah you know yeah. like and can point out like the you know the lay of the land for us yeah. and it's we all get stuck in that I think I think we all and if and if we don't get if we don't fall in love with someone else's ideas, we surely fall in love with our own ideas. And I, th- I think know, one like, of the important things is to come up with your own ideas about stuff. You know, is to come up with yeah, read, you know, listen to our podcast. You know, read Chris Hedges, read I don't know, read anyone. But then also try to formulate your own opinions and take power back, take power about yourself. You know, about what do you think? That, uh, and you'll largely find that what you think about the world is dependent on your own mood. <laughs> you know, do you, do you know what I mean? Your bowel movements, yeah. Yeah, it's like, day, yeah. yeah, it's like what, um, what, 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 if you read Chris Hedges, you're going to be fundamentally depressed about everything. Yeah, I think, you know, Hedge, everybody's got a, like, there's, there's a role in value, I think, in, it's funny you say that, because, like, I think he's really good at offering a voice that is quite shocking. Like, mm. uh, when I read him, I'm like, man, like, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah this true, is, yeah. but you're absolutely right. Like, when it comes then to feeling that, I need like how to get right with myself so then I can be of service to mm. other, like he's he's not going to offer an answer there. That's yeah. not what he does. No, no, not like, at all. Like not at all. you know, he and and I think that it's it's this issue of like everybody we're all looking regardless of how insightful and intelligent and how much inner work we've done and and how much we've lived on this earth like we're all looking at pieces of life here like through yeah. our own Lens, narrow yeah. that's right like and so it's 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 really hard spiritual work to to what I was saying earlier like get out of character like yeah. to really challenge yourself and be like okay these things I believe why do I believe them let me put them up to do they still work for me fundamentally like mm. these things I believe are they working for me mm. and to kind of keep what's working and toss out what's not working what's not working regardless yeah. of where you got it from mm. or how much you've relied on it thus far Dude, that's that's a lifetime project. It's, it's that's project. very hard. I mean, I, I, well, well, this is for another po- podcast, but we I did want to bring this up a bit, which is the use of, um, and I've had some anyone who's followed in my writing or work before um, is the use of um, psychedelic compounds, um, which we disagree, <laughs> which we can have a spirited debate on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, look, you know, I, I've used, I have, I have used um, psychedelic. Uh, you one would call them drugs. I don't call them. I don't regard them as drugs at all. Spiritual aids, you can call them. Yeah, I mean, they're, but they're, you know, the science uh-huh. now is is fairly conclusive now about these set. Some of these substances are actually normalised brain function, as opposed to uh, thinking for a long time we believed that they were dangerous. They were very bad for you, but in the right set and setting, certain plant uh, plant psychedelic psychoactive compounds are actually actually physically normalized brain function so they've shown that ayahuasca does ayahuasca in fact completely normalizes brain function and your serotonin so you have like um lower i think it's like uh it normalizes serotonin levels in the brain yeah i saw a tv special actually yeah. of, of trauma victims that were i think it was like lisa ling or yeah yeah, yeah. about yeah. um 
the ability for it to help trauma and PTSD and stuff. Yeah, and the same with psilocybin, which I'll... Yeah, I'm not knocking it. I'm just yeah. like, but yeah, we can talk about it. No, it's a, it's a complicated subject and it's very um, controversial, uh, particularly in the West. And, and look, well, I know that I put myself, I put, I keep put myself at risk by talking out about this at the moment because these are regarded as drugs in our society, which in my experience, they're not. Um, but these can be, you know, some of the experiences that I've, I've had with these compounds are that um, your what you view rea- how you view reality is what reality then is so it's it's you kind of project reality uh, yourself so if your brain fu- if your brain function is not very you know if your brain function is not very good or you've got some depression you've got there are synapses are not you know firing properly and serotonin levels are low uh, your worldview then becomes it, it's a it's just kind of a, it's kind of circular. It's a vicious circle. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, so that you have <clears throat> you develop the, you develop all these kind of psychic disorders over time, and then therefore reality. That's what your reality is. You live in that reality, and then I think what these <clears throat> what I, things like ayahuasca have been shown to do is to is to give you a window. It gives you a, a break. It gives you like a you know. Five or six hours of this very, very difficult. It's interesting because it sounds like, like what I was saying. That's like step out of character. It's the thing that forces you to play a different. Part. Yes, and and that's what it it's did like, for, yeah. for me, and that's what it's been shown to do for other people. Is that it's it forces you. It gives you five five or six hours of going like, okay, now look at this completely from a, in, in a different way, mm. and then it, it's not a panacea. It doesn't cure. It doesn't. It doesn't cure you forever. But you have to. It gives you an opportunity to work to build upon that so it will normalise brain function but then if you go back to all your old um, you know all your old kind of habits what happens when you go back to all your old habits is that your brain function gets messed up and you you, you do the exactly same thing over and over again so you could you could take one of these you could go through an ayahuasca experience and be, be healed as it were and then go back to your old ways and within a year or two years you'll be back to normal but it, what it does do is it gives you a window to kind of go in and fix that and, and go and um, see a kind of a way out, you know, and that's what I think that they they do. And these are, I think, we're going to be seeing a lot more about this. I yeah. think we, we, you know, I want to do another. So, we'll do another podcast. Yeah, it'd be intri- it'd be intriguing to hear about your perspectives or, or, or from um, a, from a biological. You know, and I'm only interested from a scientific biological point of view. Like, what, what's the what, what is the evidence? Yeah. It has to be evidence based. You know, it's not just hippies going out and getting you know getting smashed on mushrooms in the forest and and uh, free love. That kind of stuff, like which is fine if you want to do that. No, no problem with that at all. But also, I think that that uh, these substances can be very useful for in the right setting, setting in the right context. It can be extremely useful. Go to the whole biopsychosocial problem that we talk about our relationship with other people. You know, we about human relationship and how illness can be if you have bad, negative personal relationships. But <clears throat> what about our relationship with the natural world as well? You know, they, they, you prove conclusively that spending a day out in the woods or something is 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 extremely therapeutic and can normalise. It can basically radically reduce stress. Right. You know, just putting your feet in soil, for example. Sure. They found sure. that like, you put your bare feet in soil is 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 incredibly therapeutic. Right. You know, it releases serotonin in your brain. It's your we are part of a living organism. Yeah. And uh, the more that we we've sort of separated ourselves from that, I think our brain function is is we think that 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 our 
I think that living with depression is not it isn't just um, there, there is another step further that you can take treatment you don't have to just um, you know ther- therapy is one option which is great I'm not saying that but also I think that a human's ability to cure another human's you know maladies um, psychological maladies is is fairly limited and in my experience these a lot of these plant substances um, ayahuasca in particular is a, a totally different level I mean it's a physical it's a genuine physical medicine it, it, it's regarded that's what it's regarded it's regarded as a medicine and for good reason because mm. it does it normalises brain function and they've done brain scans and uh, many many studies on this and they've shown that that's exactly what it does too um, so I think that that is also and I want to do another podcast on that to talk about that because it is a bit of a taboo and you know we, want, we, we have to talk about I think we need to talk about these things yeah um, if you're going to deal with modern talking about modern life because I think these could be used in the right way could be a way to kind of yeah you can change you can change culture and you can change your own mind by understanding what these other societies have used for thousands of years to treat yeah. things like depression and things like psycho, you know, psychosomatic disorders mm-hmm. would be this is what they would use you know shamanism which we don't really understand we we we, der- we deride and we we dismiss shamanism, um, uh, without really knowing what it is and what what it what it does, um, and I think that's a mistake. And I think that a lot of people now, Western science is now catching up to. Yeah, it's like acupuncture and things like that. And, and yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. Uh, acupuncture, I feel like, which is much, pretty much, I think, has mainstream acceptance now. <coughs> I think even up fifteen yeah. years ago was still viewed as a very esoteric kind of Quack, snake yeah. oil salesman yeah, kind of. But it's not now. It's not. I know. No, it's now not. it's very much received mainstream. You can go anywhere in the country and there's going to be a clinic and you might even have your insurance. Yeah. I, I would covered. hope I would hope that they would do that at some point for something like um, psilocybin mushrooms, which this is a study in John, Johns Hopkins University did a huge study on psilocybin and they found that your depression rates were like eighty percent of the people participating basically eradicated depression. I mean, this goes to a larger, I think, conversation of like healthcare and what we conceive of as wellness in our society. You know, in in China, mm-hmm. um, they got. I mean, I'm not saying that that's there as a society they have it figured out because they're dealing with their own kind of issues, time bomb of issues yeah. right now, environmentally number one. But, yeah. But um. But you know, kids do meditation. Yeah out the gate in kindergarten could you imagine what a kindergartner who's knows about deep breathing and meditation would, unbelievable like how and I was watching a video of these kids mm. and it was like you you weren't watching kids like they were centered they were quiet they mm. were like they were still kids but, they were still but, running around but they, they didn't have the kind of I'm not saying they were overall better than our own American kids I'm just saying that it would be nice if our American kids like our own kids if we taught in our own schools like okay so you're upset about something here's a way to govern yourself and your body and your Mm. behavior because you know kids don't have the rational mind Mm. but if you teach them deep breathing then they kind of figure out a tool that hey when I get upset I can resort to this and this makes me feel better and I don't have to rely on other things other things or medication or anything like that you know and I think that that's we have dismissed this for a long time like I think that things like meditation should be not regarded as woo woo spiritual nonsense it's funny because a lot of the people who I you know you get these militant kind of atheists or, or people who are against um, who think it's all quack, quackery uh, 
but, but it's now an amazing amount of evidence that shows how positive, how um, unbelievably good meditation is for you. Oh yeah, there's a really interesting, actually directly speaking to depression, um, it was a New York Times article, maybe we can post it up after, actually on the, on the Facebook after this, um, about the combination of running plus meditation as being a primary source of mm. dealing with depression. And if you do those things, then find you still have issues, then go to these other things. Go to these other things. Because they're yeah. finding that <clears throat> they're knocking out a good majority of cases just by, hey, get out there, mm. like, run a little bit, sweat a little bit, and, mm. med- and try to calm your mind. Mm. And that is actually having a stabilizing effect to the degree that people don't need to get on pills. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I run around the pot. I, I live near the forest here in D.C., and I go, I run around the forest. And that is unbelievable. It's amazing. I come back, I thought, you couldn't, nothing you could say would piss me off <laughs> you know you can yeah. probably attack me and I'd be like oh, well, you okay you know? right. I'd probably yeah I'd probably want yeah. to sit down and have a cup of tea with you after, after going run in the forest yeah but yeah these, these things yeah they, they normalises brain function doing activities that we're supposed to be doing like we're not supposed to be cooped up in an office all day you know that's not where evolutionary designed for so I think that our body chemistry is probably all completely screwed up because we've been. Well, I, I think that's borne out probably in the health stats, right? It's like I mean, we we're like just in general, like yeah. our lack of activity has been and sitting now they say right too is is sitting's the new smoking. So sitting's the new smoking. Uh, yeah, I don't, like, I, I don't I don't doubt it. You know, so there I think there are a lot of the, a lot of these things that you can do to to try to re- address your own brain chemistry. Know? and I guess my point about the kind of psychedelic stuff is that again it's not a panacea but it, it does it provide you a win- it can provide you a window I'm not suggesting you go and do this I'm not suggesting you go and you know do illegal substances uh, or where it is illegal if you are going to do it do it somewhere it's legal and it's guided and that kind of stuff like you know, in, particularly in South America I would say um, <clears throat> but that can normalise it can I think that that's part of what it means to be a human being is to have these experiences, is to have the use of these substances, just as it is part of a human experience to go running, you know, and be in be in nature and go and you know go hunting or something like that, or go and do you know sporting activity. This is kind of what it means to be a human being, and I think that you know maybe dealing with a lot of these issues, depression, something like that, is maybe think about it in terms of you know how what how human is your life. You know, take a hard look at your life. How human is your life? If it's not very, hu- it doesn't seem to be very human. Then you're not going to get a very human outcome. You know, you're going to get a lot of dysfunction. Um, and I think that 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 is that's kind of how I look at it, at least. You know, and that that certainly helped me. Um, but uh, anyway, I think we are. Yeah, we we've we've done an hour. Um, yep. I hope we've been helpful at all. Uh, we'll we'll continue um, some of these topics. Over the coming weeks, um, if you would again, uh, sorry to bring this up again, but if you'd like to become a member and support what we're doing here, please go to banter.m.com, b a n t e r, the letter m.com, and um, you can uh, become a member, get our magazine, and uh, support us doing the podcast. And uh, Vasquez, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Awesome. Um, we will see you next week. Okay. Take care.